Hey everyone, Rob Kress here, Functional Pharmacist, and uh, right now I'm recording both a Functional Pharmacy podcast as well as doing a video Zoom here, so kind of got both going on at the same time. I hope you're doing great today. So I'm going to be more consistent, at least with these podcasts. We'll see how this video works out. Uh, we're going to be finding the Functional Pharmacy podcast up every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I haven't offered that. Um, I've been pretty inconsistent, and my apologies, but it's going to be something that you can count on. Now, it's kind of funny for those in the audio world and the podcast world. I've got this video going on, and I'm in my like loft office here, and it looks really funky, and I keep saying this. It's actually a great place, but it's this very old building. It used to be an old candy company, and um, has other has had other lives over time. And you know, you can see this look where it's this very industrial, distressed look with bricks to different levels of wallpaper and stucco. So it's kind of funny looking back on this video. So. Um, yeah, that's what that's about. Anyway, uh, today, the topic, the talk, I want to talk about you – know, let me make sure the podcast is rolling real quick. It is. Okay, so I want to talk today about common tests for our health that can be optimized. So this is for both practitioners and patients alike. So for practitioners that maybe um, aren't hooked up with some – you know integrative labs to do all the integrative tests like for lipids fractionated tests and stuff like that uh, some quick fixes that we can do maybe to help the patients out and for patients obviously to empower yourself uh, what you're gonna see is a lot of times we might have a lab test where it says okay this is normal but we can do ourselves a lot better if we optimize it and we'll get into that and we'll speak about that so uh, I haven't grouped into maybe four different groups but basically there's like six or seven tests and these are simple tests that anyone can run so there's no specialness about them or anything like that so that's the idea about this test so it's common tests that can help optimize your health in your life so the first one I want to talk about is metabolic syndrome um, you know, metabolic syndrome plays a root, has a root in almost all modern modern day disease states. Um, inflammation to cancer, uh, arthritis, heart disease, stroke, diabetes, you name it. Uh, and a lot of times when we talk about metabolic syndrome, there's an inception of it, which is often insulin resistance. Now, what is insulin resistance? So if you think about it, the way the body works, the body has an inherent ability to try to control what comes in and out of it. So it takes a very tight control over glucose or blood sugar. It keeps about a teaspoon flowing through the blood at a time. Now, when we stimulate insulin, it's usually because we're consuming carbohydrates. Now, because we consume the carbs, they drop into blood sugar. And mind you, regardless if it's a whole grain, a refined grain, it's a sugar and it drops in there. So 35 grams of everything is 35 grams. That's going right in, whether it's a whole grain or a soda pop, that's what's going to become blood sugar. So the body's job is to get that out of the blood and then put it where it needs to go. Either utilize it right away as fuel. And if it's not able to do that, then it's going to store it. It's usually going to store it as fat and triglycerides. So, and the way it gets it out of the way is by calling on insulin. So if you think about it, if we consume a consistently high carbohydrate slash and or high insulin stimulating diet, then we keep pumping up this insulin, right? Because our carbohydrates keep going high. So when we keep doing this, then a resistance happens. It's, I, I liken it to if you were to walk into a room and there'd be a particular odor, 
you're in there for a while and you don't really notice it anymore, right? So you, you become resistant to it. Well, that's what happens. When we keep asking the body to stimulate insulin like that, it doesn't recognize it's doing it anymore. So it'll be like, oh, I don't think I have enough. Blood sugar's going high, obviously not enough. So it'll keep kicking out insulin. Worst case scenario gets to the point where we can't make any more. We've kind of destroyed ourselves and then we have to go on insulin. So <clears throat> what are some common tests we can do? We can do, and I'm not even going to talk about the insulin response test because that's not the most common test in the world. But if you wanted to, an insulin response test, insulin levels are measured basically fasting and then one to two hours after a glucose drink. Optimal levels would be less than 10. That's what you're looking for. So if you, if you have one done. But what I want to look to is the very simple things. Um, glucose, fasting glucose, and HbA1c. Now, what gets me about diabetes and blood sugar? It's usually this wait and see approach. So it's like, okay, we see your sugar rising, but it's not to your 126 and higher that we can call you a diabetic. So oftentimes in allopathic, straight out conventional medicine, not much is done for it. It's just a wait and see approach. Maybe little recommendations on diet, exercise more, but there's a lot more we can do for patients. It's a lot more patients that you can do for yourself. So I want to talk about optimal levels at different levels. So you have fasting glucose. Uh, optimal is going to be, let's say, somewhere between 70 and 85. That's optimal, okay? High, we're going to call 85 to 110. Now, denote, high is a negative fashion in this. So if we're 85 to 110, let's start working on it, okay? Now is the time. No wait and see. And I'll do another podcast if you'd like, and I'll talk about how we can do that. Maybe that'll be a follow-up. I'd love to hear from you. Let me know that. Um, 110 to 125, that's very high. This is when we get into impaired glucose tolerance. We don't recognize what's in our system. We, we cannot tolerate the glucose that's in there. Then 126 and above is diabetic conditions. And then it's like, okay, and we can still reverse things in that case. Remember, there's type 1 and there's type 2 diabetes. This would be a gradual type 2 diabetes. It's usually a lifestyle trigger, basically. So another one is the common HbA1c, which they'll tell you that it gives a measurement of the last three months of what's been going on in the blood sugar. And it's a good measurement. But once again, how can we optimize things? So in this case, seven above, that's danger zone. That's when we're doing. We don't want to be there. Optimal is going to be 5.4 or less. Now, what is often found is a lot of conventional practitioners will want it about mid sixes or less. Well, we want 5.4 or less. 5.6 to 5.8 is good. 5.9 to 6.9 is high. So what is considered good and okay in conventional medicine is too high and whatever habits we're doing, whatever exercise we're not doing, whatever too much exercise we are doing, whatever diet we're eating is taking us in the danger zone. So that's when it's time to step up. All right. So now what do you want to talk about? How about we talk about Inflammation. So I mentioned inflammation with metabolic syndrome. Well, did you know there's a way we can actually measure inflammation? It's called high-sensitivity C-reactive protein. C-reactive protein is a protein that's found in the blood that can either indicate inflammation or infection. In either way, if it's elevated, we're in a danger zone. Now, the range is one less than one to greater than three, meaning on a normal range, High risk is greater than three. We're over three, that's high risk. 
low risk is one, so less than one. So optimally, we want to see our high sensitivity C-reactive protein level less than one. That's the goal. And then what do we do? Well, we look at lifestyle issues. We look at dietary issues. We really got to sit back and say, what are we doing that's inflaming ourselves right now? Sometimes we might be eating a healthy diet and everything we're doing right, and it could be a subacute infection that needs to be looked after as well. So just one, jot that down. Uh, C-reactive protein isn't the most common test that doctors run, but any doctor can run it. That's why I wanted to mention that one. So now, why don't we talk, what do you want to talk about now? How about vitamin D? I'm a big fan of vitamin D. I think we all are. So vitamin D, a couple notes here. When you look at a lab test with vitamin D, it's basically 60 to 80 or I'm sorry, uh, 30 to 100 is the normal range. Now think about that, 30 to 100. That's a big variance and a big difference. We can do better. So essentially, if someone has a 32, they're going to be told they're normal and they don't have to do anything. But if you think about all the benefits with vitamin D, I mean, we've got vitamin D receptors all throughout our body. So it helps pancreas release insulin. It's necessary for thyroid function. This is just metabolic condition and stuff, support for the immune system, cardiovascular, colon, cognitive, breast, prostate, everything. It plays a big role. So optimal levels, there's a couple different parties out there that some want real high, some want low. Remember, 30 to 100 is considered normal. 60 to 80 is kind of a sweet spot. That's where you want to find yourself at. Um, even when you hit 40, you get more ergogenic benefits, like exercise benefits. And, you know, it's amazing. And so I'm here in Michigan, Southwest Michigan. If I showed you right now, it's basically the color of the sky this time of year, which I call Michigan gray. That's essentially what it is. We get very little sunshine and you really don't absorb the benefits of the sun unless you're in a UV index of three or above. And if you think about it, all the different things that can block us, clothes we wear, sun scare effect, um, sunscreen, where it is good for us to get out in the sun, not just for vitamin D, but for detoxification, or not just for, um, yeah, vitamin D, but for detoxification processes, you name it. So, you know, a good school of thought is if we were able to be in a UV index of maybe three or above 10 to 20 minutes a day, all year round, actually helps us with sleep as well. So the goal here is have your vitamin D tested, 60 to 80 is the levels you want to be at. So now, why don't we talk about, I want to talk about thyroid. Then we'll get, no, why don't we do lipids first? Then we'll get into thyroid. So the whole lipid thing. So lipids, what I'm talking about, what are lipids? Lipids are waxy-like, fatty-like structures. And the common ones you hear of are cholesterol and triglycerides. So I'm not even going to talk about the lipoprotein A or anything like that right now, which are important tests. But remember, this is the basic. These are the basic tests that anyone can run, that we can have done, and we can help optimize them. So what do they do? Well, HDL and LDL, they're carriers. So what you probably hear of HDL is good cholesterol and LDL is bad cholesterol. We got to look a little more into that because there's reasons why we say that. They have jobs. They're transporters. So HDL's job, or we'll start with LDL. LDL's job is basically to transport nutrients, fat-soluble vitamins, vitamin D, all this stuff to the cells so they can be utilized. So it's important. They're carriers. They're, they're chaperones, I guess, or they're chauffeuring their way through there. So it's very critical. But what happens is after they get utilized, 
they're left behind. And the material that's left behind can be oxidized and can lead to inflammation. Those are really two of the major keys of heart disease, Oxid- oxidation and inflammation, because basically you can lead to these cracks within your blood vessels and your arterials, and that's where like matter, cholesterol, lipids can get stuck in there and then start to inflame things and oxidize and create free radicals, and then that's where heart disease can come from. So we want to prevent that. So when you've got this stuff left behind, it can be oxidized, which goes into free radicals, which can be dangerous. So that's one reason why we want to eat a healthy plant-slant diet. Plant-slant, meaning abundant in plants and vegetables, right? Some fruits, uh, certainly proteins. I'm a fan of animal protein, but I like the plant-slant. We need to get our antioxidants in there to battle down, basically, the free radicals that are being generated. And supplements can help with that as well. Now, HDL comes in, and this is why they call it good cholesterol. Its job is to clean up what's left behind and get it out of there, right? So now, they both have inherent value, as you can see. With LDL, it's also important to notice that there's actually good LDL and there's bad LDL. Um, meaning, the good LDL is kind of light and fluffy. It doesn't get sticky and fall into cracks. The bad LDL, dangerous stuff, is small and sticky and it can clog arteries. There is a, now we can do a fractionated cholesterol test, but that's not a normal everyday one, so that's not what we're talking about. What you could do is take a look at triglycerides because triglycerides can actually be somewhat of an indicator if we have good LDL or bad LDL. Um, now, let's get into triglycerides. A normal tri- triglyceride reading on your lab test would be 150 or lower. Now, optimally, we like to be closer to the 70 or 80. Why? Well, because when we're 70 or below around that area, we can be pretty comfortable that the LDL that we have is good LDL. When we're above 150, we can be pretty rest assured that it's bad LDL, small and sticky and cloggy. In between, we don't know. So the lower we can bring it, the better. Incidentally, general tests that you're looking for, LDL, optimally 100 or less. Um, HDL, 40 to 60 for men and women. Total cholesterol generally 200 or less. But how do we look at these numbers and take a look at the ratios to optimize them? It's a good question. I think it's something that we can do here as well. Um, so once again, triglycerides, 150 is normal. 70 or below is going to be optimal. Let's look at some ratios. So if we were to take – now, if you remember, keep this in mind when I said um, if we have too much sugar, it can be stored – There's triglycerides, right, when the body metabolizes it. So if we took the ratio of triglycerides versus HDL, this could be a good marker for insulin resistance, which is a cardiovascular risk factor. So we want this to be no more than a two-to-one ratio of triglycerides to HDL. Better if it's one-to-one. So can you imagine if you had a triglyceride level of 60 and a HDL of 60? That's great. You know, and that's an indicator of low insulin resistance. Why would that be? Because the triglyceride levels are low enough to represent what might be going on with sugar consumption or insulin stimulation. The other ratio to look at would be total cholesterol to HDL. This number, the lower the better, we want anywhere between like 3.5 to 1. And this is a good indicator of how long HDL is hanging around in the blood. So why, or I'm sorry, how long LDL is hanging around in the blood. So remember, When I said HDL's job was to clean up the leftover LDL and get it out of there so it doesn't oxidize, well, if we have a good level of 
HDL to total cholesterol, right? Total's here, HDL's here. Then we have chance or a feeling, an indication that that HDL is doing its job and getting the LDL out of there, which is the risk factor. So if, think about it this way. If we can dial in our triglycerides so they're low enough to feel comfortable with a good LDL, so it's healthy stuff, it's not cloggy stuff, and at the same time, we've got a nice ratio of HDL to total, then we're cleaning the stuff up and we're mopping that out. All right. So the last test I want to talk to you about is thyroid test. And I've talked about thyroid on this podcast before. But I want to talk about ranges. So oftentimes you'll go to, you know, have your levels done. Now I'm not going to get into what needs to be done. I'm actually just going to talk about ranges. So I'm going to talk about a total T4, a free T4, and a free T3. Now understand all these labs can be different. Okay, let me see if I have a TSH here for you too. So all these labs can be different. So what I share with you here may not be exact. Say for instance, you go to a lab for total T4 and it tells you the norm is somewhere between 4.4 and 12.5. Okay, so that is pretty huge, right? Uh, what we want to do is we want to dial that in a little more because when you figure out these averages or when they're figured out, it's taken on, they're kind of averages of society and we kind of have a sick America or a sick society, right? So if we can dial that in closer to center point, so center point, if you divide 12.5 to 4.4, dead center is going to be 8.5, right? Now, if you can basically take 25% off of that, so it's going to be in the middle of 8.5 and 12.5, you're at 10.5. Okay. What I'll do is I'll put a blog post up so you can see this. This is called a thyroid grade, um, gradient assessment. And then if you take the low end of the 4.4 and then the mid 8.5, that 25% off is like 6.45. So in that, a normal range would be 6.45 to 10.3, and it's like, good. Um, could you have too much thyroid? Is that a bad thing? Absolutely. If you're taking the thyroid medication and keep jacking up that dose and it's too high, um, it can bind it and you can actually get symptoms of low thyroid, which can, you know, one, increases risk factors of disease, but also a lot of bad symptoms with it. Free T4, uh, basically if we looked at an average range there, 2.2 would be in the high end, 0.8 on the low end. Now you could be a 0.9 and be called normal. So once again, let's dial this in a bit. Dead center is going to be like 1.5. 25% off in either direction, it's going to be a 1.15 on the low end, 1.85 on the high end. So we'd want to be within that range so we can dial things in to more of um, an optimized level. Free T3, once again on a average lab, you're going to see around a 5.27 on the high side, at least the lab I'm looking at, 2.7 on the low side, dead center 4.02. So if we're looking at that 25% range, we want to take 25% off the high end and the low end, then we'd be looking at normal levels, not 2.77 to 5.27, but 3.39 to 4.65. So if we don't fall in that range, that's when it can be tweaked. Too much is not a good thing. Too much can be bad as well as too little. So um, I will put a blog post up. It's, what is it? January 22nd, right now, Wednesday. I will post this up for you tonight. The blog post, check back. I'll have it on functionalpharmacy.com. Um, it'll be around for you tomorrow. I might put it on routecrest.com as well. But I'd love to hear from you. Uh, share with me your thoughts, what you're thinking. And I hope this combination video audio thing worked out. 
So anyway, uh, y'all have a great day. Take care.